Hello and welcome to the Modern Divorced Podcast. I'm your host, Billy Tarasio. I'm the owner of Modern Law, a family law firm in the Phoenix area. I've been a divorce attorney for more than 15 years. I've got four kiddos and I'm divorced myself. And on this podcast, we're going to cover everything related to divorce, be it legal issues, financial issues, children issues, blended family issues, counseling, mediation, and more. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Hi there. This is Billy Tarasio with the Modern Divorce Podcast, joined again by one of my favorite Texas lawyers. It's Brian Walters. Brian, welcome to the show. Great. It's good to be back. Yeah. Yeah. I'm happy to have you here. And today we're going to talk about the Bill Gates divorce. It it was one of the biggest of of all time as far as uh, wealth goes, for sure. Absolutely. And certainly, certainly the biggest in 2021. It just became finalized in August. Why don't you give people who don't know just a little bit of background? Yeah. So, I mean, I think even though it was in a different year, it'll always, it'll always be somewhat tied in with the Jeff Bezos divorce, just because they're both from Seattle there. It was around the same time period Their you know, their marriages were fairly similar length, uh, that kind of thing, fairly, you know, two of the, two of the wealthiest, uh, families in the, in the history of this country for sure. Um, but yeah, they had been uh, married a long time. I think they met at work, um, had a child or two, uh, that had grown and, um, an event, and it was, you know, from what the, what came out later, it, it seemed to have been uh, a marriage that had been coming apart for a long time. Um, and then about two years ago, there was um, real specific uh, a decision uh, to get divorced, and but to quietly negotiate an exit. And um, evidently, that took about two years to negotiate. Um, it was a little bit different than the Bezos one in the sense that most of the Bezos's wealth was tied up in Amazon. He had a few other assets, you know, Washington Post, Blue Horizon, some land, and he's actually the largest landowner in Texas, <laughs> interestingly. Um, and uh, where Gates had been out of uh, running Microsoft for a long time, and so most a lot of his fortune was not in Microsoft; it was in all kinds of different things. Um, I read this week that, for example, he finalized the the comp- purchase of the Four Seasons hotels, mm-hmm. for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess it was also, it was more complex. And um, so, but yeah, I, I think there, they'll always be a, a compare and contrasted to each other to some extent because of their similarities and differences. Yeah. Yeah. Um, absolutely. One of the things that you mentioned is that uh, the Gates divorce took about two years from when Melinda started the divorce um, versus the Bezos divorce, which went much, much quicker. And that, of course, was Jeff. And the circumstances of the divorce matter. Um, Jeff was madly in love with somebody else, you know, madly in love, publicly um, out there, could not could not contain the the situation that he was experiencing with his new love and um, that was not the case with Gates in fact Gates came out later and said you know that he that it was a great tragedy that he really considered this a loss even though he came out and you know they did the public face but he didn't want to get divorced and so often I think you and I see this happen with women where women women kind of see it coming a lot farther in advance usually than men 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, depending on the, the you know the stats you read, it's somewhere between I think two thirds and three fourths of all divorces are initiated by women, and um, whether that's because they see it coming or they're more realistic or whatever the whatever it is, that's that seems to be the case. I, I agree with you, and um, so this was um, f- the Gates one was fairly common in that sense, is that that he he seemed to be willing to. Um, continue forward with it in, in whatever form that took. Um, obviously there was, you know, there were a lot of undercurrents and, you know, and by based on the, all the leaks that, that came out afterwards, there had been problems for a real long time. Um, they, they, all the leaks seemed to be negatively toward Bill Gates. So that, that would probably indicate where the, the leaks came from, from, which would not be Bill Gates. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, really, it's interesting. I'm sure you've read what I've read that he used to have a much worse represent reputation, and over the last 20 years, worked very hard with this foundation and with all the philanthropy to really make his reputation quite positive. And it was quite positive up until we started. You know, things started coming out that were not part of a carefully crafted image. She apparently, Melinda apparently, began looking at divorce after. Um, finding out about the extent of Bill's relationship with Epstein. Right. That, that's, yeah, which is, you know, that, that information could have only come from one source. Right. Absolutely. I mean, who would have known that? Which is, yeah. you know, I, I, you know, I don't know. I, and maybe I'm a little cynical because I'm a divorce lawyer, but that's a, that's a convenient story in 2021 is sure. what I'll say about that. It that's might be true. true. Um, it might not be. But um, it's a convenient story. I'll put it that way. A convenient well, truth. In the same article that Bill said, I really, um, or in the same interview where he said that this is a great tragedy. This is not something that I'm happy about. This is a, a loss. He also at the same time said, and it was a very bad idea for me to be friends with Epstein. Like I read that wrong. Right. right. So, um, but, but yeah, I mean, it's so much easier now to look back and be like, that was obviously the stupidest decision ever writings on the wall. Um, and, and from what's come out, it seems to me that she was probably dissatisfied with their marriage for a long time. And he was like, this is good enough. What are you complaining right. about? <laughs> right. Right. You have yeah. Yeah. You exactly. He, he, had, he had come to terms with what it was and she, um, wasn't satisfied. Exactly. That's, that's, a, and that's a common dynamic. We see it's that all the time. Common and people, dynamic. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. They just, you know, most people have, almost everybody has less zeros in their net worth. And, uh, and then, so, and I, neither one of us are Washington state lawyers, um, but, you know, from a financial perspective, they were both as similar in the sense that the main asset, which was either the Amazon or the Microsoft ownership were started before the marriage by the, by the husbands. And then they got married and, um, that had a for for whatever reason it seems like um, for the Bezoses they you know they again their main asset by far was the the sixteen percent of the of the Amazon stock which um, uh, the wife in that case McKinsey got I think four percent and and um, and he got twelve percent um, with the Gates I understand it was considerably closer to an even division of property for for whatever reason I don't know if that's because there was a you know, someone w- took a harder line, or or what? I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, 
That is interesting because what I had read was that Amazon was started during the marriage, that they drove cross country together from New York. And, you know, actually, I think I think that you're right. Um, But I think that the way it was structured, maybe maybe I didn't state that too well, was that that he was the owner of it or or something like that. I'm I'm not 100 percent sure, although I suspect that for most people, four percent of Amazon would be enough to. (laughs) <laughs> probably enough to live on. <laughs> right. I I really felt like she left money on the table. Um yeah. especially because of the fact that based on my understanding it was started during the marriage and he wanted out so badly. Right. He would have right. done anything to not be married and that's just where he was at emotionally. Um yeah. But I think for, for her, it was like enough is enough. I'm now she's now with a, a school teacher, remarried, happy, giving away money. Like I think it worked out for them. Um, and Melinda, Melinda may have been a little bit of a better negotiator. Yeah, that's what it sounds like too. And that's a good point. I mean, you you have leverage, and um, you know, when you're getting divorced, if someone really wants out quickly, um, then they're they give up leverage, and they they will probably pay more to to be done with things quicker. That'd be my guess about it. So. Right. Right. But in these cases, okay. So what's, what's interesting with Gates is they, um, there is no money judgment. There is no spousal maintenance. Everything is private. And that's, that's Mm -hmm. true with Jeff and Mackenzie as well. We don't know the, all the details. We only know the details of what happened publicly in the publicly traded companies. Other than that, it's completely private. They probably work together with a mediator, um, right. private mediator and their lawyers to negotiate it out over time. Now, what is the wisdom in that, in handling your divorce that way? It, well, number one, just like you said, it's private. I mean, people don't realize this till the end of things usually, but um, generally, and it depends on the state, but uh, generally when you, if you just file your divorce, it lists, frequently lists um, the, the value of your assets, what the assets are, account numbers or part, part of account numbers. Um, which if somebody's looking to, you know, cause a problem, I mean, who wants their financial information out there like that? And not, not anybody that I can think of. So keeping it quiet and private like that makes a lot of sense. And it's also a way to keep the conflict down, um, which is, I think, especially important if you have kids together, even if they're grown kids, but even if not, um, you know, it's a searing, uh, emotionally scarring event uh to get divorced uh under under this best of circumstances and so trying to keep the conflict down makes makes a ton of sense if you can do it i mean it takes two people willing to do that it takes two people willing to be fair and open and reasonable and that isn't always the situation so yeah now in texas where you practice Mm -hmm. misconduct is a factor it is. It is. It's and it's. I think that's becoming less, less and less uh, an issue in a lot of different states, and probably even less of an issue here. But um, yeah, if somebody runs off and has an affair, uh, that can be considered in, and probably will be considered in how the property is divided. Uh, not to mention how how the kid issues might be resolved. Um, really. So, yeah. And I know this, like the California and Arizona and other, other lawyers are like, what are you talking about? Who cares? You just, your marriage broke, you know, who cares why? And uh, we still call balls and strikes and, you know, say who's good and bad. And, uh, you know, I, I certainly understand the other way around and it would be easier and simpler um, if it was just, well, your marriage didn't work out. You know, who cares? Who cares what happened? 
Um, but uh, yeah, we're, we're still still that way, at least for now. Well, I remember us talking about the financial aspect, and, and I remember you telling me that spousal maintenance is essentially not, not an issue, but if right. you prove misconduct, you're going to have an unequal distribution of property, which is crazy. But I don't remember us talking about how it can actually affect your parenting time as well. Yeah, I mean, it's it's more of a question of, um, you know, when I had this recently in a couple of cases, without mentioning any names, but I mean, if, if there's another person in their marriage or a relationship and an affair or something like that, and um, they get kind of brought into, brought in front of the kids and put in the middle of the, the parenting situation too early or inappropriately, or they have problems or issues, um, that's a serious problem in most judges' eyes that, you know, here's, you know, we're not going to replace dad with a new dad or mom with a new mom or anything like that or you know, we don't want anything inappropriate going on. Um, and there's a lot of variations on that. So um, those things can those things can make differences here um, and significant ones. And then I can think of a, a recent case I was involved in where I think the, the new person in the in the marriage um, who's outside of the marriage, obviously, um, was really a fundamental factor in the in a custody decision. And um, wow. It's, uh, you know, and, and you could kind of see why. I mean, you could see how it was causing problems with the kids and you know, they were very uncomfortable. And, you know, the, the parent, you know, who's bringing in the new person really was just so happy to have a new person that they really liked that they just kind of put that that ahead of their uh, their parenting responsibilities. And the judge thought, well, you know, that's that's not putting the best interest of your kids first. And acted accordingly. So um, how about you guys? Do you have that ever come up in with y'all or is it just, no, just kind of the way I, it rolls? I think we're more wild west than you are. Mm-hmm. Like we're more like anti-government. Like the, the court doesn't want anything to do with anybody's personal decisions at right. all. So it's right. so different. Like you can basically introduce as many boyfriends and girlfriends as you want without consequence. Wow. Okay. And yeah, that's a big no-no here. For a right. 50-50 split. So do you have that too? Do you have a presumption of, of equal parenting time? We we don't, although the um which is which is a whole nother discussion. Um they they they're try I think they're trying to get there. In fact, the legislature just passed um some amendments to the, the presumptive parenting schedule that you're talking about that made it 4654. <laughs> um so it's as close as you can get. <laughs> they're trying to keep the they try to keep the kids in one house like Monday through Thursday during the school week. And then okay. the rest of the time, okay, pretty much with the other parent. And so, but it's gotten so complicated that it's, you know, it's almost kind of like, what's the point? Um, and, and the problem, and the problem in our state that remains unaddressed is that the child support is all or nothing. So it's the 54% parent who gets the full, full amount of child support, even really? though they have, they get, you know, 25% of your income or whatever, you know, for two kids or whatever the number is. And, and it just doesn't matter. Even if you did a 50, you know, that's, that's our problem that drives so much litigation. Um, I want custody. I want custody. You know, well, you're going to get 46% anyway, right? Like you're working, you're both working, like who can even use 46% of their time. If you have a job, you can't, Um, you know, so, well, you know, because 
I don't want to pay 25% of my income to the other wow. side, which kind of makes sense. You know, like, heck, I have the kids basically half the time and I'm paying all this money. It's a, I mean, it's, you know, kind of like a lawyer full employment program here for in Texas. Because <laughs> I think most states, I'm familiar a lot with California, but I mean, I, you guys may do this something similar where they, they weigh the amount of time with each yeah. parent and they weigh the relative yeah. incomes and they kind of, you know, it's, you know, if they make about the same and they have about the same amount of time, there's little or no child support here. It's, you know, all or nothing. That that extra two days a month or one day a month, it's probably one day a month now, um, is a huge difference. And it drives so much litigation, so much conflict and so much hard feelings. So, yeah, um, that 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 seems really, really backwards. Like, why would yeah, you not I, account for parenting time? I mean, obviously I, you didn't make the law, but I, I right. I'm I understand why it started out that way. I understand the theory behind it, but it's you know, things have really changed. And I mean, there were, you know, there was a time, you know, 50, 60 years ago when parents would get divorced 40 years ago, and the, the dad would often kind of go his own way and right. maybe see the kids a couple times a year. That was real common. And it right. wasn't because they loved their kids any less, it was just kind of the way things were. And <laughs> That's not the way it is anymore. Most dad, dad or non-custodial parents, whatever you want, it is, are pretty involved most of the time. A lot of them are very, very involved. And, yeah. Um, so it's, and I think the work from home thing that's so common now has made that even more, more the case. So yeah, um, yeah it's we, it's a quirk, it's a quirky thing. So it is a quirky thing. You and your Texas laws. So okay, right. since the timing of this all. I need to ask. Are, th- are things crazy over there because of the new abortion law? Has that affected your practice at all? Are you I, getting anything? I, I haven't, I, I haven't seen that much. And I, th- I think it's one of those kind of national uh, stories that um, probably has more national uh, media attention than actual affecting anybody's lives. I, I've, I don't think anybody's mentioned it in you know in my life or in my office since it since it happened and mm-hmm. um you know and I so yeah yeah it's um I, I don't I don't know and I'm not sure how it would affect family law that much or directly I mean I guess in theory it would right because there might be more kids but <laughs> um there's uh but yeah yeah not nothing nothing on the on the practical end of things mm-hmm. on my in my practice at least mm-hmm. yet Okay, back to back to Gates. Um, one one final thing I want to talk about. So they have decided to continue operating the foundation together, with an agreement that after two years, if it's not working or either of them doesn't want to continue working together, um, then Melinda will leave and she will be bought out by Gates. How often do you see that happen in your divorce cases where people are running a business together and they may want to continue to do so? Um, Not that often, just because it's, you know, first of all, there really aren't that many businesses that both spouses are still involved in. And it's a foundation, right? So it's a little, little bit different, but um, I think that the, I think that's actually a, a a harder way to have a marriage in my opinion is to run a business or something else together. To me, it's, it's just another source of conflict waiting to happen. Although it can be a strength. I mean, I could see people who that's what they really love to do. Both of them as you know, and that's actually adds to their marriage uh, versus and the foundation might be a good example of that. Um, 
and I think I, I do get approached when those cases happen with a lot of people who say, yeah, yeah, we'd like to do that. And then we start talking and thinking through what would that really look like? You know, like um, what happens when, you know, your husband starts bringing his new girlfriend to the, you know, to the office, to the office lunches, you know, and how's that going to be? Or what if you have a new kid and, you know, now you have, uh, you know, the plan was to give the the business to the two kids that you do have, but then your husband remarries and has a kid. Now, where does that third kid come into things? And the more you start thinking about those things, the more you start deciding that's maybe not such a great plan. I think that's a smart way for the gate to do it. Let's try it for a couple of years. And, and if not, there's an easy, easy solution um, to buy somebody out. Um, in a lot of situations, that's a, that's a risk, you know, Hey, we don't know in two years or five years, if, if so, if, if we're going to have the money to buy you out, I think with the foundation, it's the money's already there. Right. So, um, you would just simply kind of divide it out and not have a, not have a big deal about it. But, um, I didn't actually didn't know, but that specific provision, that's an interesting one. And, um, it makes a lot of sense. I think it makes a whole lot of sense. And and that gives them kind of two years to call, to kind of cool down and move on with their lives. And yeah, maybe they'll maybe they'll decide that's the one thing they really like to still do together is, mm-hmm. is run that foundation. You know? Yeah. I've seen this come up in a couple of ways. Never in the cases that I've had with businesses where people have actually gone on to operate it together. Um, I've had a lot of people who start at the be- who at the beginning of their voice talk about that. You know, I run the books. He runs right. operations or whatnot. And, and in my experience, it has never, ever worked that even by the time they get divorced, they still want to work together. But um, I have had several cases, like a good handful where somebody will stay in the house. You know, maybe it was owned by my client, the husband, before they got married. And now he wants to continue to let the wife stay in the house with the kids until a certain date. And then what we do is we put in sort of similar provisions where, you know, you can sell at this point, you know, with this much notice, or you want to continue. I have another couple who continues to own an investment property together in Mexico and they have divvied up the weeks so that she has a certain number of weeks she can take for vacation each year. He has a certain number and then they split the profits. So, I mean, in those, in those several cases, it has worked. Those are more passive versus active businesses. And I think with the foundation, it's got something like 1600 employees. So it's not like they have to go to work every day and see each other and be in the same building. Right. 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 (laughs) You know, it's gotta be highly fact specific, but it is interesting. You know, when you have a, a couple that has grown some sort of investment opportunity together and they're not quite ready to sell. And a lot of people don't want to sell their houses right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's um, it's a great market, and you you don't know where things are going to go. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good point. I'm probably down <laughs> at some point. Or call me a pessimist, but I remember two thousand nine. Yeah, so, yeah. So, are you finding are are housing prices crazy there? Yeah, um, Austin in particular has been just absolutely uh, insane. Um, we get a ton, a ton, a ton of uh, California re, uh, relocation people, transplants to Austin. That seems to be their favorite place to go. And um, they just can't believe it. You know, they're like, wait, I'm from moving from Palo Alto to Austin. I can get, you know, three times the house for half the price. Here's all cash. <laughs> so I... the poor, the poor Austin people. Well, if you own a house in Austin, it's been great. Um, 
So, but if you, you know, if you're trying to buy in, if you're a young professional or a young couple or something like that, it's, it's tricky. So we'll see what yeah. happens. How about you? How about you guys there in Arizona? Yeah, pretty crazy. Lots of people coming in from, you know, Washington and California. And um, so we'll just have to see, you know, now with the eviction moratorium, one of the questions and one of the things we're talking about with a lot of clients is when, when did you do that appraisal? You know, yeah. are they yeah. going up? Are they going down? And, you know, timing the markets never, never, never really worked for anybody. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Everybody thinks they can do it and you really can't. Or no. Mike, you get lucky if you do. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For sure. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Brian, as always. You bet. And fabulous. And we'll talk again soon. All right. You have a good weekend. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Modern Divorce Podcast. Remember, anything you've heard today or anything you read online is not the replacement for actual consultation with an attorney and does not create an attorney-client relationship. Even if you called in and we spoke to you, you are anonymous and we don't have your details and you have not become a client of Modern Law. However, we would love to speak with you or you should seek out the advice of legal counsel or counseling or any other expert near you. And if you have an idea for a show topic or you need to speak with an attorney in Arizona, you can reach me at info, I-N-F-O, at mymodernlaw.com.